Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT Thriller You have now entered the House of Mystery With your hosts Eric Shapiro David North Martino John Copenhaver And Al Warren Good on FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Good evening and welcome to the Julie Sav Show this evening. So after another long day, here I am finding myself humbly interviewing Steve DeShavey from the TV's Dead Files. And this is a series now that is going out um, in the UK on a Thursday evening on the Really TV channel. So for those of you in the UK who are listening, um, we all know that, that that night on Really is a bit of a paranormal night. And whilst this programme isn't truly paranormal in, in the sense of programmes like Most Haunted, for example, it really does lead us to question the validity of mediumship and investigating the accuracy of it, and having watched a, a few of these episodes, Steve, it's an amazingly well-formatted show. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Julie. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to have me on. What's really intriguing about you, Steve, from my perspective as, as a medium, is that as far as I'm aware, you've been, well, you worked within the New York Police Department for 21 years. Correct. And you're not, you're not a medium. And your show, is, your show is not about debunking or validating mediumship, but it's looking at how two investigations can work side by side and then looking at the information that you get as a result. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, when people ask me what kind of a show I'm on, uh, I tell them it's a docudrama. Cause it's really yeah. a documentary with, with dramatic overtones. Uh, obviously, the paranormal plays a big part in it. Um, I do a pragmatic investigation, and for me, you know, I'm a retired homicide detective, so I, I look at this case as, all right, I have a case where the victims are our clients. 
mm-hmm. and the perpetrator is the paranormal. Yeah. Uh, and that's how it, and that's how I approach it. Uh, and instead of me using a computer or snitches on the street or uh, interrogating people that are, you know, that may be perpetrators, I use Amy Allen, who's a physical medium, and she's part of the investigation. She does her thing, uh, which I can't do, obviously. And uh, both our talents come together, and we work separately, which makes it a lot more interesting because I have no idea what she's uncovering, and she has no idea what I'm doing. She doesn't even know the location she's going to. She knows the airport, but she doesn't know the location at all. Right. Uh, so we could fly in, we could fly into Nashville and then drive three hours to a location. Um, so, and we never stay in the town that we're filming in. So she doesn't yeah. even get a hint that way. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, brilliant. And I think when um, what's what impresses me so much about it is that from in the in the UK we have a million and one paranormal investigation groups, and they will. Um, go out and, and, and do an investigation, usually quite ill-informed, or only mm. on the back of there's been inve- there, there's been activity reported here. Therefore, um, we're going to go all night and shout out in in corridors. Right. And the paranormal team that I have, and I know of a handful of very good paranormal teams um, here in the UK. Um, will do all the investigating first before they even consider the paranormal aspect. So in some ways, very similar to how yourself and Amy do that. Um, but we would do the, I suppose, the groundwork, the investigating, I suppose, your element, if you like, before we even step foot in the house. Well, you know, that's a smart way of doing it. I don't know how many. I mean, we've done 112 investigations now. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to clients and asked them, you know, I always ask, have you had any paranormal groups come in? Uh, and there's a lot of reputable groups out there, as you well know, uh, yeah. like yourself and people you're aware of. Um, but a lot of them are out there just to get their own jollies off. And they'll mm-hmm. come in and they'll do their thing, scream and yell. They don't tell them what's going on. They say, oh, your house is haunted. They leave. And these people yeah. are left with even worse paranormal problems than they had before. Quite um, scary. Yeah, and, you know, when... When I got approached to do the show, I, you know, I didn't want to do it, obviously, because I, I'm not a paranormal guy. Um, and I just, uh, I had bad experiences. I had used a couple of psychics on homicide cases I had in the NYPD, and it, and it led me nowhere. And I, you know, I just didn't have the right uh, psychics to work with, basically. Yeah. Uh, so when I met Amy and the four of the female mediums that they were trying to figure out who would be best for the show when we did the pilot uh when i saw if she was capable of i was just kind of blown away so uh when I, you know for me it was like okay i'll do the show but we got to do it where i have nothing to do with the paranormal part of it yeah and when we, so did and you when believe we came in up the, the paranormal did you believe in mediums mediums before you did the show you know you know it's it's i'm i'm a open-minded skeptic more on the skeptic side uh, I'm more skeptical of people than I am of uh, life after death. And, you know, I, I do believe that once you die, something happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happens because nobody's ever come back and told us what's going on on the other side. But, yeah. um, you know, I do believe that once we die, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic. And, you know, it's uh-huh. no such thing as ghosts. You either go to hell or you go to heaven. Or if you're bad, you spend some time in purgatory. And then, you know, you move on. Um, 
you know, as you get older and, and you get a little bit wiser, you, you say to yourself, well, listen, there's a lot more going on than what everybody, you know, what's being forced down your throat, so to speak, as, as a child. So I'm just open-minded to the fact that, you know, I believe that, you know, we're built of energy and this energy goes somewhere. I think everybody's got a soul. And uh, so I'm open-minded that way. I'm just a skeptic of people and what they say and what they say they're capable of. Absolutely. And, and there's absolutely no harm in that, is there? And I think everybody should be very cautious um, when approaching anybody who says that I'm a medium or a psychic, etc. We, we have to make sure that that person is, 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 is good, bona fide, and they're able to, to actually do what they say they can. Um, and a lot of people, as you know, will just take money off people and give them readings that mean nothing at all. Yeah, and that's the that's the sad part because what'll happen? It's like it's like you know one cop shoots an unarmed kid, every cop's yeah. dead. So yeah, exactly. it's the same thing. You know, you, you have people out there that have legitimate abilities, but then you have the people out there that are just scam artists. And what do they do? They wind up just making it bad for the legitimate people, and it's kind of sad. So, is there anything in in the 21 years that you, you served in the NYPD, is there anything that you can say that you experienced that kind of moved you from being um, less believing to more open-minded? Uh, no, nothing on the NYPD. I was, I've just been that way my entire life. I've always just been an open-minded type of guy. Um, nothing um, on the streets that I worked ever changed my mind one way or the other. I did lose my faith in a god um, um, because if there is a God, he's got a lot of goddamn explaining to do, uh, yeah. just by the stuff I've seen. So it's hard for me. I kind of lost my faith in the sense of, um, you know, if there is such a thing as a higher power and there's angels and all this other stuff, well, why do things happen that I've seen, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine that there is a God when you see the atrocities that humans do to each other. That I, you know, that I've seen, and you know, you get jaded. Um, mm. So that 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 changed for me on the NYPD. Not so much um, any it, one single experience that I believe in the paranormal or not. So how do you, how do you think? Um, because psychics over here, psychics won't wouldn't be used overtly that I know of in the in the police at all. And um, I'm sure I'm sure it must happen. Um, I remember a time some time ago now I was I was sat at home. I, I'm, I'm a social worker by profession and have worked with children for uh, in child protection for the last 16 years. And I was sat at home one day. I just come back from a court hearing and um, there was a police car on the drive. And I thought that was a bit unusual. And this chap came to the door, this police officer, and he said, oh, I'm. Um, I was I was chatting about the paranormal in the staff room at work and somebody said I should come up and, and talk to you about it. And so my name had obviously sort of been banded around in, in, in the police station and he said, I'd quite like to join your paranormal group. And I thought, wow, that was a brave move to take it from the from the police station then to come out and see me just on the it obviously got an address just literally off of off of the internet almost. Um, that was a very brave move. And he said, actually, there's a lot of people in, in his particular department that are very much believers and experience things on a day-to-day -day basis that makes them question faith. And um, 
and you know he, he's still very much a, a huge part of my life and the paranormal world that that I work within. But he he was um, I think it took quite a lot for him to do that. Just to turn yeah, it up takes on a the... lot of guts. Yeah, I mean it, it it's basically frowned upon. You know, it's a whole macho thing. It's a whole, uh, mm. you know, if you believe in ghosts, you, you know, you, there's something wrong with you or, uh, oh, you, you're one of those weird people that believes in this, this and that. Uh, yeah. So for, for for cops to open up and say, oh, I definitely believe, everybody's, you know, it's a, it's a macho men's club where everybody's going to look at you like you're crazy. Um, I've never, ever once had an experience in, at all, and I never, the chance of me having one probably will never ha- happen. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't believe that things are going on. But for cop like to come forward like that does take a lot of guts because you're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get, you know, razzed at work. Um, but I did find that, um, I interview a lot of policemen and a lot of detectives, a lot of, uh, chief of police on my, uh, on the show, because whenever there's a murder investigation that I want to look into, I reach out to these guys and, I think because, you know, as a former homicide detective from New York City, they're, they're, they're saying to themselves, well, this guy could buy into it. I guess I can. So that helps a little bit with, with that. But uh, most police agencies uh, just look at you like you're crazy. You know, they, you know, they, you, first of all, it's not admissible in court. Anything that you get from a psychic can't be used in court. Uh, God forbid, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the defense attorney finds out you, you got some information from a psychic, and that's how you, you know, you're going to be left out of the courthouse. So there's that aspect of it as well. Uh, but it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, it's like a hobby for a lot of uh, cops, as far as I know, is, you know, they, they love the paranormal and they're into um, what they can find out. It's not that they're, they're, there's something wrong with them. It's just everybody has their thing. Some guys bowl, some guys golf, you know. Yeah. Everybody has their thing, uh, but I think you're right. Though it took that guy a lot of guts for him to uh, come forward like that. Having you know, 21 years in in the department, and then mm. um, doing what you've been doing now was we're in the seventh series. Is it of Dead Files? Uh, the eighth season is airing right now, and there's uh, 13 episodes a season. So we're, the eighth season is airing. Hopefully, season nine will start airing in. Uh, August, and uh, we've got picked up again, so we'll be filming season 10, hopefully, in another, you know, probably within two months, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, it's, you know, well done to all of you. How do your, your ex-colleagues um, view you now? Yeah, yeah, I get that question a lot, and it's actually a good question. Um, you know, my, my close friends will always break my chops and say, uh, you know, uh, you drink the Kool-Aid, we know you don't believe this crap. And and I tell them, listen, she's the real deal, uh, talking about Amy. Um, and they're like, God, ah, you know, bull. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Spend a, spend a few days with her, do what I do, and then tell me she's full of it. Mm. And, and, of course, they, you know, they just know me, and they're like, you know, I can't you believe her. I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, she's legit. Uh, yeah. But they also know my, um, I would never jeopardize my reputation or my integrity to do a TV show that's not legit or work with somebody that's not legit. I only work with the best people on the police department, and I wasn't going to change that just to be on television. Uh, <laughs> it's not like I'm, yeah, it's not like I'm I'm making 
life-changing money doing the dead files. Trust me. So it's it's not really, and it, it's and it's not a. It's not like I got a yacht and a plane waiting for me. It's, uh, you know, I'm making a living and that's about it. Uh, but I enjoy what I do. You know, I, I, you know, it's, I get to help people in a different way than I did before. Uh, but, but, you know, you'll get the naysayers no matter what, uh, cause that's how cops are in general. And then, but for the most part, everybody's, uh, they're proud of what I'm doing and they're, they're, they're supportive. Fantastic, and, and because that, I mean, that's how it should be. Because ultimately, you are doing exactly what you have always been doing, which is investigating and evidence collecting. And then, exactly. Yeah. And just for the the sake of people who haven't had the opportunity to watch the Dead Files, you go into a property first, and you will make sure there is nothing there that Amy can read from or cold read from when she enters the property. So you will cover up anything in that property that might allow Amy to pick up on physical, um, visual clues. Actually, that's Amy's ex-husband, Matt, that films her. He does all that right. work. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, I don't do any of the... Anything to do with Amy and what she, her process is, I'm not involved with at all, except for the reveal. Right, um, okay. Matt and her, Matt's who her ex-husband, but they still work together. Um, he knows exactly what needs to be covered. Like, he's done these investigations with her before uh, the show started. Yeah, uh, and that's our process. So, um, and I think it you know it makes for a lot more legitimacy towards her abilities. Uh, she doesn't want anything that might change or sway her way of thinking. Uh, so it's it's pretty um, you know we we do our best to try to make things as you know as legitimate as far as for the audience to understand. Listen, this is how we do it. Mm. Um, there's no um, you know we don't try to fit around peg into a square hole you know what I mean we, we don't do that yeah. no I think that's right when I'm on stage people will say I will warn people right at the beginning of my my show that actually I won't be looking at them and I say it's not because I can't make eye contact it's because I don't want to be picking up on any visual facial expression that you make and for me to right. be able to do a reading I prefer to look at something that's quite plain so I tend to look above people at a blank wall so that I cannot pick up on because we all we all react um physically even if we try not to to information being given to us so of course by by looking away from somebody it just gives me a clearer head right i, I mean you, so you, your process is basically the same then yeah absolutely because you don't want to be reading i mean you don't want to be picking up and i think when you're a medium information comes in and you know that information and we it can be really difficult for us to just say the information as we get it. Sometimes we put a spin on it because we're trying to make sense of it ourselves when we shouldn't be. So then if you've right. got information that then doesn't fit with your surroundings or you look at somebody and they're looking a little bit uneasy with what you're saying, you're more likely to humanize that information. Um, it's how I would describe it. So I always find it better to not have that at all so I don't I don't like doing readings in people's houses that would be the first thing I wouldn't want that at all and if I go to a paranormal investigation I wouldn't want to know anything before and I really wouldn't want anything around me and if I'm on a stage show I want to be able to have a blank wall where I can look yes you know it's funny you say that because as a police detective I want just the opposite before I interview a perpetrator or a witness mm -hmm. I want as much information about what happened Absolutely. before I do my interview 
You know, so it's such a different concept on both sides. So, uh, you know, my thing is doing, having, you never want to go into an interview as a, as a detective with no information. Whereas people like yourself and Amy, you want no information, which is how yeah. it works for you guys. Um, and that's what makes for a uh, show. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm saying that that's what makes for a unique show with us. I mean, nobody, there's no other show like ours in the States as far as uh, preparing no, two people with here. totally different, yeah, with totally different uh, investigative techniques. So, but, it, you know, and at the end, when we come together, it works, you know. So, and we, you know, Amy gives them a solution instead of just saying, listen, your house just wanted to take care. It was nice talking to you. Yeah. And that's important because mediumship's about that healing relationship and closure. Mm-hmm. One of the um, things you were just saying about um, kind of the, the difference between how what mediums need and, and what you would need uh, as a detective going into interview, um, I can totally relate to that in terms of um, as a social work manager, I will go into a situation and I will absolutely need that evidence. So I need as much information going into an interview with a family as I possibly can have because that be my core evidence. Right. So, so you, you, you understand both sides of it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So we're eight series in, looking at, you know, potentially uh, ten for the dead files. Is there anything that's changing with the format of it going forward? Is there anything that you've thought along the way, we need to tweak this or, um, or, or to change it in any way going forward? Or uh, you know what? We've pretty much yeah, no, no. We pretty much established. Uh, uh, we cut out a lot more interviews than we used to do before that we don't feel is necessary anymore. Um, right. You know, we, it takes 80, 80 hours of footage to film an episode, um, and I filmed seventy hours of that, and it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, to put to put into forty two to forty four minutes on air. But we've uh, we've we've kind of got it down to it's not about the show's format as much as it is about the clients. Our format's mm -hmm. never going to change. Um, I'm going to do my investigation the way I do it. Amy's going to do her walk. We're always going to put it with a sketch artist. The thing that changes with us is if you look from season one and to the current season that's airing now, you'll see the clients and what they're going through has changed dramatically. Yeah. It's gone from, you know, bumping a night to I'm getting thrown down a flight of stairs. Yeah. So um, I think what happens is our show grew, um, you know, as far as uh, popularity went, and people realized, all right, we're, we're not out here to make fun of anybody. We're out here to help people. Uh, I think a lot more people, have, uh, for lack of a better term, came out of the closet and said, you know what, I won't feel embarrassed if Steve and Amy come. So you're getting mm -hmm. now we're getting all these. Uh, we have over eight thousand requests for us to come to people's homes and businesses. Uh, and, you know. There's still a lot of whack jobs out there that, you know, they, they're just crazy or they just want to be on TV. So it's hard to weed those out, um, but well, we do our be best. Next and question, actually. How do you do that? How do you sift through and find out who are legitimately uh, You know, it was, it was easier early on because we didn't have that many submissions, but now we have so many. We have our whole production team that uh, we go through layers. We'll do an initial phone interview, and then we'll do uh, some background checks on the individuals themselves. Um, then we'll do the location, you know, if it's an apartment building, we can't go because we need permission from everybody that lives in the building. So there's mm. 
that aspect of it, you know, the, the legal problems of us being able to investigate a location, um, you know, there's it, a lot to it. Um, and then the other thing is, if there's no stakes involved, if we get a call, some people say, listen, my house is haunted, uh, but they seem to be friendly. We just want to know who it is. Well, you know what? Then you don't need our help. So we dismiss those people. And not yeah. because they're not having a problem, but they seem to think it's friendly. So what do you need our help for? Yeah. So we, if, what it, so we, our thing is, um, especially if there's killed kids or elderly involved, it's, we look at those really close. Um, how the information well, and, you need in, in, in respect to your investigations? Are you able to access information quite easily? I'm sure there'll be, you know, data control there. It, yeah, it takes, I have an assistant named, uh, his name is Josh, who's fantastic. And what it is, is um, it takes about 30 days of background work before we even get to the location. Uh, you know, pulling deeds. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chain of titles, yeah. um, you know, historic map works, the whole nine yards. Uh, but you really can't get the ball rolling until you start talking to people and talking mm. to the actual clients. Uh we don't like to do too much. I don't. Do, I just talk to the clients briefly before we go out there to get a feel for them. But I don't want to get too much information because I want it to be fresh, yeah. um, and I don't want them thinking about what they what they said to me before because I want it to come out of their mouths, uh, you know, spontaneously. I don't want them rehearsing what we talked about. Yeah. Uh, what's so, the most? What's the most? Um 
traumatic experience you've had on the show? Uh, I haven't had any. I don't have any, you know, the police department have had some traumatic experiences, but nothing uh, nothing as far as the dead files goes. Uh, for me, uh, it's In terms probably of listening easiest. to other people, because it is, I know that as a, you'll be a hardened hard person, won't you? You're, you're going to be a hardened person, Steve, to hearing people's stories a little bit, because you'll be desensitized through all the, all the work you've done in, in, in the police department. But when you've got somebody sat opposite you, clearly distressed with what's going on, what's the hardest thing been to hear? Oh, I mean, I've heard women tell me they were actually physically raped. Um, uh, you know, people that have just, uh, you know, afraid to sleep at night or an mm -hmm. entire family sleeping in one room because they're petrified to go anyplace else in the house or be separated from each other. I mean, wow. it's heartbreaking when you hear that stuff. Uh, to me, it's like, well, how do you live like this? And then a lot of people financially can't move. Mm. Uh, despite what the government's saying in the United States, people are still having a tough time out here. You know? Yeah. Not, not anybody can just pick up and sell their house and move someplace. Uh, so, but, you know, when you see a mother crying because her, her kid is waking up screaming because there's a bad person in their room, you know, you know, you know how, how do you deal with that? You know, like people ask me what was the hardest thing for me on the job. It wasn't getting shot at. It wasn't 9-11. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it was telling a parent or a loved one notification about somebody they loved being killed or they died in an accident. That's the hardest part is telling a notification. Yeah. Um, that takes its toll on you. And listening to these people and what they're going through, it, it's, it's a little, it takes me back to that, you know, because I'm a pretty empathetic guy and uh, it's hard for me to, uh, it, it, you know, I put on a good front because, I'm, you know, from my background, you have to be strong. You have to be that alpha male. You have to show that you're the one, I'm the one you can talk to. But, you know, it, it, it does play, uh, take its toll on me sometimes, listening to these people and, you know, what they're suffering through. You know, they, everybody's crying. It's, it's hard. How did you, did you, I mean, did you get help from that with, um, when you're in the police department, how you manage stress and trauma? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't get any help until just recently. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, uh, you know, 9-11, uh, the 9-11 uh, uh, help program for first responders, the World Trade Center first responders program, um, they sent me through psychologists who said I suffered from PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, not from just from 9-11, but from my background in the military and all yeah. the stuff I went through on the police department. So I am actually in therapy now, but I could have used it probably <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just basically coping skills. You know, I don't consider myself a victim or, you know, and that's the biggest thing is I don't feel like I am, but apparently I am. And it, it's just hard for me to say that I'm a, it's, it's kind of almost like you feel sorry for yourself and I'm not that guy. Yeah, so, no, uh, no, I hear that, I hear but, that. So you were serving... But, you know, same time as 9-11? Yeah, I was first responder. I, I was uh, I was down there when, when when the buildings came down. Wow, wow. So and how uh, long? How long? How? I mean, did that um, support a decision to leave the police, or was that already something you had thought about? Or? No, not at all. I had no intention of leaving the police department. That happened in 2001. I didn't retire until 2005. And even when I retired, I at the time when I retired, I had no intention. I didn't. I had planned on staying at least another four or five years 
Uh, but the police department changed. Um, people were getting promoted over me that didn't deserve to get promoted. And, uh, you know, politics, and I'm not... Yeah. I, you know, I can't abide by politics and, you know, stuff that goes with it. So I, uh, I made a decision. You know, one day I just said, you know what? I'm not having fun anymore. Time to go. And I just left. I didn't even have a job. I just, you know, I was like, you know what? I did my time. I'm done. Yeah. And I think that in, in when you're working for local government and big organizations like that, there does come a time, doesn't there, where you, you've, you've seen it all and you see the changes. And when it starts to become um, dangerous in terms of political decision-making or drive, then you you lose heart and, and you know that's the time to go. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, Julie, because the last night on the job, my last night on the job, I responded to a... It was a murder-suicide. A father killed his wife and four, uh, three kids. There was five dead bodies in this apartment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I went, I responded. It wasn't my case because, obviously, I was next morning I was going down to headquarters and retiring. But I walked in, saw all these dead bodies, young children dead. And uh, I was with this guy, Joe. And I said, all right, let's go to dinner. And we went to dinner, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself as I was driving home that night, boy, did I become, I didn't realize how how um, hardened I'd become uh, yeah. by all those years on the job and seeing all those dead bodies and dealing with tragedy and, and people's, um, you know, what's happened to them. I mean, I just saw five dead bodies, three of them were children, and my concern was, all right, what are we eating tonight? Yeah. So no, I think, I, you know, it's, it takes its toll. So it's, when it's time to go, you really should go. Absolutely. And I, I think on a daily basis, I have to remind social workers that the reason you're going out to this family is because the child is experiencing a journey or a life that is not necessarily what we would want for them. So the question I ask every time we talk about a child or a family is, what is the child's experience of living in that home? Mm. How do you know? Because we do become desensitized and we use such jargon terms, no matter what field we're working in, um, whether, for example, domestic violence, domestic abuse. Well, what does that mean? You know, what, what is it we're worried about um, when that happens? And people lose sight of actually that's the bit we're worried about. It's not the terminology. The terminology doesn't mean anything. It's no, about no. what we mean by it. Yeah. And it's only describing... Something people understand the impact it has. No, I mean, unless you've done it or uh, you understand the field because you're in it, but unless you've worked in that field, uh, mm -hmm. nobody at all could really relate to what you've experienced. You know, I can't go talk to a, a guy that, that uh, manages a drugstore and uh, even think that he's going to understand anything that I've been through. Or, I mean, he can be empathetic towards it. Uh, but unless you've been through it, nobody can uh, can really relate to it. So uh, it's you know, and that's why I think uh, like that's why I think people like myself, like I'm a retired detective, I hang out with other retired cops or guys that are you know, I hang around with those people because they get me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I love my crew. I love them to death. They're great guys. Um, but they just, they don't get me. They don't know what I've been through. You know, their biggest concern is, oh, my God, there's no place good to eat in town. I'm like, are you joking? 
you know, we used to eat, you know, we're lucky we even ate when I was on the job because we were handling 40, 50 jobs a night and, and we did eat. It was a, a quick bagel or something. These guys are complaining because it's only Applebee's in town. I'm like, Applebee's is a five-star restaurant where I worked, you know? Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, cause you know, you're doing both. So you got, you're, you're doing both sides. You're getting, you're doing the social work side. Plus you're doing the medium side. So yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. It is interesting, um, and the two are very separate, and they have to be for all the right reasons, because obviously that conflict of interest. Um, right. I, I couldn't possibly be on stage giving somebody a reading and then find them um, their parent against me in court the next day. It just it just wouldn't work, and it would. Um, it's not fair on anybody. So yeah, I have to be very mindful about it. Yeah, it's um, got to be tough for you. I would imagine it's got to be a little hard. My my drive is in both camps I love helping people I love working with people um very much like yourself I love kind of collating that hard evidence I want to know um I've got all of that before I make a decision and I like the um when when my kids were growing up they used to say we hate arguing with you and I said why is that (laughs) because like a barrister they say you have a couple of questions and those questions will be so loaded that we just fall straight into the trap. And I, I liken that, I guess, to one of our, I mean, I work with the police quite a lot, so our, our interview styles are fairly similar in terms of we need to get to um, the evidential fact as quickly as we possibly can. And, and that's the way it is. Um, but my kids, poor things, they either had me with eyes <laughs> in the back of my head as a medium, or they had me asking a few very chosen questions that they just dropped themselves <laughs> time um, <laughs> even now if I have one look and they just walk away they know it's not worth it yeah well it's 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 funny because uh you know my poor daughter's boyfriend you know growing up I mean she's 25 mm-hmm. now uh, but mm-hmm. you know guy you know kid comes to the house and now I am cleaning my gun and you know it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what do you what the hell do you know what the fuck is like what the hell did I get myself into and my daughter knew she could never lie to me because she might <laughs> ruin it so uh, you know it poor, you're right the poor kids to vet those those guys you just need to kind of give a little wink and nod towards the gun so you don't have to say a word <laughs> that's it you know how are you that's it that's yeah <laughs> Just tap the barrel. <laughs> it's funny. Kids. So you've got how many children? I have one. I have a daughter who's 25. She's getting ready to graduate law school. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. She's got, she got her mother's brains, my ex-wife's brains, but my uh, my attitude, which makes for a scary combination. So. <laughs> I've got three. My, my eldest is 24. And um, I've got a 23-year-old girl and an 18, nearly 19-year-old boy is my youngest. So, yeah. Oh, see? You've got a little tribe there. Yeah, no, no, no youngsters. I don't. I could ever do that again. I've done my bit. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Me and my uh, girlfriend, we uh, she has an 18-year-old son, and we both talk about like, yeah, no, no more kids for us. <laughs> it's our time now. Yeah, definitely. There comes a time when you quite you just relish that peace and quiet and not having to answer to anybody and just do what you need to do. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, whilst we, we've we've deviated somewhat from, I suppose, promoting your show, I think it's 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 been great, Steve, to get to know a little bit more about yourself and 
and your values and what and your beliefs um what's in the future now for you what is it you're hoping to to do next well as far as the dead files goes i hope we can continue um doing the show and helping people i had a little side project i was doing called blue plate but i'm still waiting to find out if we're going to go forward with that it was Mm -hmm. a food show um and um you know, I'm, the thing is with Hollywood, it's just so uh, unpredictable. You never know what is going to happen. You know, it's not like civil service work where you know you're getting your paycheck every two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then when you retire, you get your pension. With yeah. uh, television work, it's a, it's a little uh, a little scary because it's, uh, you know, your hands are in the fate of somebody that doesn't even know you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, and it's kind of... Every six months when we finish filming, it's like, okay, do I go look for a job or until we coming back? So, but thank God for the fans. I mean, we got the, you know, that's all fans are by far the most loyal and dedicated fans on the planet in my book. Um, mm-hmm. They just, they're just sweet people that just love our show. They love me and Amy and Matt. And, uh, I think they, the format you know, of the show is going to be a hit over here. I'd be incredibly yeah. surprised if it wasn't absolutely up there because the format is very different than what we've had over here before. Well, that's good to hear because I wasn't sure how it would be, how our show would be taken in the UK, um, especially me with my Brooklyn accent. Uh, I don't know, you know, well, I don't know how that would come across. <laughs> a bit so, like Rocky's uh, listening to Sylvester's <laughs> angle. So yeah, I, I, you know, we, I do get a lot of comments from fans on Facebook from the UK, which is nice uh, to hear. Um, uh, you know, they're very receptive. And a lot of them were watching the show before it went on the, the Really TV station because it was, uh, you know, it was access on YouTube uh, as well as some other places. But uh, we've we've had fans, but now it looks like we're going to have a, a, a lot more. And uh, I do hope that you know UK fans uh, enjoy our, our show. Um, we seem to be popular. We're real popular in Canada. We're popular in uh, Australia, Germany. People watch us, uh, Sweden. So uh, I hope that it, it takes off in England. And I'd, I'd love to come over to just anywhere in the UK and do a, an investigation. Uh, you That'd know, be amazing. that's something. You know, especially for me. I mean, my I have a half sister that my my father during World War II was married and had two daughters, and I have a half sister that's. Uh, you know, born in England, but she lives here in the States now, and I have two nieces here. Yeah. But I have a nephew uh, who lives in uh, Liverpool, and, uh, I would, you know, I'd love to get over to just to even be able to meet him and then uh, see, you know, where my father was and, uh, Absolutely. That's uh, you know, lovely, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Uh, just a lot of history there that in regards to my family alone. So uh, we, we've been trying, but, you know, it's, it's everything's out of our, you know, out of mine and Amy's hands. So it's it's uh, we don't own the show. Travel Channel does. Instead, decision on, uh, you know, we'll submit yeah. twenty cases to them, and they'll tell us which ones we can do. Yeah. So um, yeah. that that's the that's the. But you know, listen, they're the, they're the ones that own the show, so they have the right to do what they want. Absolutely, but say you know, branching out and doing some work in the UK, I'm sure will be will be well received. And then I, the format of the show, as I said, is is spot on. I think there's a real market in the UK right now. There's a gap in 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 the paranormal shows, so I think that will really plug that gap. Oh, that's great! I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to hear some feedback from the fans and uh, see what they think. Because uh, 
it's always hard to judge um, how how the countries are going to take your show because paranormal uh, shows here are really big. I mean, everybody's into it. Um, there's a million sh different shows on. Luckily for myself and Amy, uh, there's no other show in the States right now that has our concept. Uh, and yeah. if they do, if, if somebody does come out with the concept, we're the ones that originated it. Nobody else has done it this way. And, and like I said, there's, there's nothing like that here in the UK. It's the most popular um, programs have been, obviously we had Most Haunted over here for many years, and that was incredibly popular. And um, now that that kind of style of investigation has waned, and there's that, there's an opening, so let's hope you fill it. Well, that's good. I'm, you know, I, I just hope uh, fans over there will reach out and say hi to me, you know, on Facebook and stuff, was, uh, or even on Twitter. It would be nice for, just to hear okay, from so them and see how they... How would they call you on Twitter, Steve? What's your Twitter uh, name? It's, it, uh, it's at Steve Bishavi. It's just S-T-E-V-E, -E, Steve. And my last name is spelled D-I-S-C-H-I-A-V and Victor I. So it's at Steve Bishavi. Uh, and there's a picture of me in a suit, pinstripe suit with a tie on. Uh, and then the background will have me and Amy. And then my Facebook, I have a public Facebook page. It's Steve Shavi dash the dead files. Uh, and it's the same photo, so you'll know it's me. Um, uh, I can't friend anybody on the public page, but I put all the updates about the show and what's mm -hmm. happening with the, you know, where we are and what we're doing. So uh, it's always nice to hear from the fans. I get private message. Yeah, if they find you Take on your page you can't add them because you're up to your maximum followers so they, they must look for you under the dead files one yeah yeah they can reach out because I, I have a private page but i'm maxed out on the friends i can accept so um no you wouldn't you but, wouldn't, you wouldn't I'm, i just couldn't be accepted i was absolutely devastated <laughs> well i'll see if i can dump somebody and i'll put you on there Julie. well that's what it. i was hoping for so I, <laughs> I, 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 i'll take as soon as we get done, I'll take care of it. To everyone listening, I thought I'd quickly message Steve today just to say, look, you know, I'm, it's me. I'm looking forward to interviewing you this evening, blah, blah, blah. So I found the Facebook page and I went to, to press the friend request. And a message came up saying, I'm sorry, there's too many followers on this page. Basically, you haven't got a chance. <laughs> so I met I Steve to say, I can't act, add you, but I'm going to be interviewing you. So I just wanted to pop by and say I'm looking forward to it and have a great day. And then well, um, uh, I looked at it. I was absolutely horrified and devastated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make it up to you. I'll, I'll, there's a few people I'm not going to get rid of anyway, so don't worry about it, Julie. Just I'll, I'll look for your <laughs> send me a friend request and I'll, and I'll hook it up. So uh, cool. Okay. Well, no I've, tried, I've messaged you on that page, so you'd have to just have a look for the message. Okay. Yeah. So my private yeah, my private page is uh, just my name, and it's got me and my girlfriend as a profile pic. So. Uh, there's the difference in the two pages. Yep, lovely picture. Really nice picture. Thank you. Okay, so the interview's coming to an end, and I'm, I'm. There's so many things I would have loved to ask you, and this is a paranormal channel, but clearly living in the UK and and your experiences on on 9/11 would have been amazing. It's just your police. Um, career would have been another amazing topic um, that would have filled up much more than an hour show um, and then currently you're, you're listed as a special investigator you've uh, a private investigator and a licensed armed guard and I could have gone through all those as well 
Yeah, a lot of this, my stuff in the background, I have a private eye uh, license, and I have a, you know, I have an armed guard, uh, you know, I did a lot of bodyguard work, uh, but right now I'm just focused on the show, it takes up uh, all of my time, Um, you know, and the only time I get a break from the show, and really I don't, because once we get started in the film again, we still have to vet all the new cases we're going to be doing, so uh, even the little bit of time off I do have... uh, and it's you know it's not it's not as much time as I'd like, but uh, but I'd rather be working than not. So that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. So Steve, I'm going to ask you a really big favor, and I'm doing this um, on the hop, and of course it will be um, on the show. So um, can I re-interview you again and um, talk more about some of the episodes of the Dead Files? Would you sure. allow me to do absolutely. that in the future? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be amazing because we haven't gone into kind of some of those experiences that you found out and um, and you know some of um, Amy's findings and the correlation between them and I think that that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I mean we just had the season premiere last Sunday on the uh, April second that had to do with uh, reincarnation um, and it was pretty, it was pretty pretty out there. It was, it was a guy that was actually haunting himself, you know, basically it splinted. Which I never heard, and apparently I, I just saw it for the first time myself. I I don't re, I don't remember the faces I make on the show. <laughs> People were sending me messages saying, "Jesus, the faces you were making when Amy came out with that reincarnation thing." I was like, "Wow, myself." <laughs> I like you know, that. that was twenty that, that was twenty six episodes ago. I don't even remember half of the half of the stuff we've done. You know, it's been so so long. Yeah, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the episodes that I did today, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to to watching some more, and definitely the ones that you're bringing out. And I'll certainly be promoting it here in the UK. I appreciate that, I really do. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much again for allowing me to interview, and I really look forward to the next time. Um, me I'm too. waiting. I'm waiting for that friend acceptance to come I, on my Facebook. <laughs> I will take. I will take care of that right away. And I'll be in the UK with pleasure that somebody else has been booted off. No, I won't really. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry okay. about it. I'll take care of it. Thanks. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production.
Something with media. I'll be back.